0: Let's go before the Lord. Father, we come to you tonight asking that you would speak to us through your word, God. We need you to minister to us. Man doesn't live on bread alone. It's not the food we eat, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is what makes us live. That is what makes our hearts beat. That is what makes us engine purr correctly. And that's what we desire, to hear from your word, to understand your truth. And so please, have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 23, if you have your Bibles. Leviticus chapter 23. Maybe you're thinking, why are you pouring up a bunch of cider? Well, well, we went and got you guys a bunch of cider. And this is why, because we are going to be looking at all the feasts tonight. Seven feasts of Israel. The seven feasts that are laid out in Scripture That happened throughout the Old Old Testament. You see these guys feasting, remembering God. And these feasts, each one is, it has kind of like two, maybe three sections to it. Each feast is done for a reason in the Old Testament, for the Jews to remember something. But then also, the feast is a picture of something prophetically. Something for you and for me. Something that has either happened or is going to happen, which is awesome to see the picture of Jesus in every single bit of the scriptures. So in Leviticus chapter 23, I'm just going to read this quote from Haley's Bible Handbook, what it speaks about on the feasts, these feasts of Israel. It says, listen, Israel's feasts were designed to keep God in the thoughts of the people on a practical level to promote national unity. And it's true. Feasts set into play. Why? Why? party set into play. Why? People getting together, feasting together, celebrating together. Why? To bring the people together and to help them remember what God had done for them, or is doing for them. And I wrote the devotional day. Those of you who read it, okay, Matt, stand down. I'm going to have to fight him. (laughs) But those of you who read the devotional day, you'll see, like, we have holidays throughout the year, don't we? And they're to help us what? remember things, and we take time off. We, Like 4th of July is coming up, a great example, it's next Wednesday. And a lot of business people, me and Robert were talking about this, a lot of businesses will even take the day, the business owners will take off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they'll take off the full week just because they have an excuse because it's the 4th of July weekend, it's Independence Day. But a reason to party, a reason to celebrate it brings people together, brings the family back together. But number two, it helps you to remember what is the fourth of July fourth of July for? Independence day, right? Remembering our independence and what we have. Being free. We have freedom and we have liberty. Freedom to speak. Look at this. We're standing in public. Jasmine has allowed us to come to a Bible study here. And no one can come over here and I mean maybe the cops could come and tell us to turn it down a little and we can't interrupt and and disturb people, but we can speak free publicly. Amazing, our freedom. And so we come together on this 4th of July to celebrate, to remember all these things, to remember people who have died for our country and, and set us free in this way. And so we've the government has stamped this into our society as a day that we can't run from. It's like everybody knows places shut down and everything closes, and hey, it's 4th of July, you have to remember this. So, too, the same with God. What He's doing here is you're going to see as we move through these feasts, He is stamping this within the culture, within the nation of Israel, helping them to remember what God had done for them. It's important that you understand these feasts. It's important that you celebrate with me tonight these feasts. And so, yes, I think we've got it all set out. And if you guys want to go ahead and just pass it out to everyone. Passing out cider to you guys. Why? Because we're going to do a toast to our king after every single feast. And we're going to celebrate. Because there's something that me and you can remember in each, each feast. Something that we can look at and see for our lives in this moment. And so that's why we all have cider. So we're going to drink seven times. So hopefully there's enough in there. I don't know how many people are going to show up. Do we have enough? Hopefully. Let's just move right, just as they're they're passing uh, this out, I'm just going to look into uh, just a couple of scriptures here. Verses 1 through 4. Actually, just verses 1 through through 3. I'll read it to you as you're maybe not being focused or are getting your glass of cider. So, it says there in chapter 23 of Leviticus, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, and these are my feasts. And then verse 3, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So right before we jump into the feast, the Lord tells Moses, remember Moses is leading the people, they're in the wilderness now, remember the tabernacle has been set up and all this stuff, remember the day of atonement has happened, the sacrifice, all these things have gone down. People are really starting to set into their uh, their culture and what is happening in their time. Back in that day, this, this way of life, this way of um, going and sacrificing, this way of really practicing out what God has asked him to do. Am I missing something? Okay, Frank. But right before he tells them about the feast, what does he do? There in verse 3, he reminds them of the Sabbath. It says, hey, the Sabbath is to be holy You're to keep it. Not to be working on Shabbat. Remember, we've talked about this before. Shabbat is so important. The day of rest is so important for your lives. Why has God established this? Not a day where you got to be legalistic about it, like, we're only doing it on Saturday, and Saturday only, and if you do it any other day, then you're sinning. Or, on Sabbath, you're not to do anything. Like, when I was in Israel, they don't drive cars. Why? On Shabbat. Because, remember, you're not supposed to kindle a fire on Shabbat, and so they say, turning over a car, starting an engine, what happens when you start a car is a spark plug creates a spark, and the gas comes in, and fire happens, so they say you're not to kindle a fire, and so they don't start their car, but they walk everywhere, it sounds like uh, it's more work to walk somewhere than to drive a car it doesn't make sense, they're, they're justifying these things, trying to make room for these legalistic rules, but God's not saying that, he's saying this, hey listen up family I know you humans, want to know why? because i made you, okay, but number two, I know you humans that you need a day of rest Going seven days full blast, you're gonna get tired real quick. And going so full blast that you never take a vacation once a week. You need one day a week you need to be resting. Taking that time out, and I really try to make Saturday my day. Um, I just I go and surf and I scoof off and relax and watch some planet Earth. And uh inside joke. Um, But just enjoy my day of relaxing. Seriously, You should try to get tired of relaxing on Saturday. You want to know why? Or whatever day that you rest. So that you're ready to go back to work. So you're ready to get going and moving in in your day so you're not lazy throughout your week. Exhaust your time of relaxing on one day and then get back to work and be diligent and be faithful to your job or wherever you're at, or your school, or your parents, or your family. Okay? So he gives us just a quick command on Shabbat and then he moves right in to the first feast. Let's read verse 4. There are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. And then there it is, verse 5. In the fourteenth day of the first month, at even is the Lord's Passover. Stop there. Passover, found in verse 5. The Passover feast. This is on the fourteenth day of the first month. Do you, Does anybody know the first month of the Jewish calendar? I heard it. Nisan. Nisan. Nisan day 14. The first month of the Jewish calendar. And this feast, Passover, was to commemorate what? The freeing of the Israelites from their bondage in Egypt. We, we went through that, remember? The freeing them of, or from Egypt, the bondage. Remember they were there 400 years in Egypt. Moses went to the to Pharaoh and said, let my people go many times. And Pharaoh rebelled and Eventually you got fed up and said, Alright, get out of here. Remember the whole Red Sea thing? and Well, God is having them remember. Why would God have them remember this? Why would God stamp this in the ground? Probably because this is one of the greatest miracles, one of the greatest deliverances seen in the Bible, period. And you know what? There's been times in your life, and in my life too, when God has delivered you, friends, those of you who follow God. You know there's been times, monumental times in your life, When God has delivered you in a very difficult time. And you need to stamp those times in your life. You need to write that down on your calendar. You want to know why? Because you'll forget. (laughs) Me too. We forget what the Lord has done in our lives. That He has parted many Red Seas. We forget the blessings that He's given us. Now what is this a picture of? God is giving this feast to them to tell them, hey, Remember Passover. Have this feast each year. Remember what I did for you. Remember what happened in the Passover? The angel of death. The last plague. Do you remember? The Jews were told to do what? To sacrifice a lamb? To take the blood and to put it on what? The doorpost. Do you remember? Put it on the doorpost. And what would happen? The angel of death would pass over their house. Passover, paso, pass over their house. And what? The ones who did not have the blood on their seal, on their door, the firstborn was killed, the firstborn child was killed. Interesting picture there. Interesting picture there. Because we know that there was one lamb that paid the price for us. Salvation comes by the blood of the sacrifice of the Lamb. John one twenty nine, Listen. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." Where is the application, friend? It's in this. The blood. It is the blood of the Lamb that has cleansed us, that has made us clean. Sorry, there's gnats here, but has set us free. And it is the same picture. With what? Those Jews, those Israelites back on that day. It was the blood that set them free. It was This was the thing that caused Passover to happen. And them to be freed. Remember Pharaoh said, I can't do this anymore. Get out. Just leave. And they were freed from bondage on that day. And it's interesting to note that this feast was fulfilled. This is awesome. Listen to this. That this Passover feast was fulfilled... Remember, what day was this done on? What day was this supposed to be done on? The first month of what? The 14th day, or I'm sorry, Nisan, 14th day. And guess what happened in 32 AD on Nisan 14? It is the exact day of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The picture is perfect. The picture of... The lamb being slain and the blood being put on the doorpost so that people would be saved, free from bondage. The same thing has happened to our life. Have we not been painted with the blood of Christ? And have we not been set free? And is it not the exact day of the Passover in the Old Testament, Nisan 14, the exact day, Nisan 14, 32 AD, is the day that Jesus Christ was crucified. His blood had set us free. And so this Passover, this feast... Has been set in stone for them, the Jews, and they still remember it today, those who are religious. And me and you have an opportunity in this moment to celebrate what our King has done. To feast to Him, to lift our cups to Him, and I will pray and we will say thank you. That it is Him who has freed us from bondage, isn't it? It is Him, His blood, that has washed us white as the created the universe. Came down, his own, spilled his own blood for these people. For wicked people. People who are not faithful to him many times. Oh, the mystery of the cross. The blood of Jesus, so sweet. Billy Graham said, if he could have talked about anything more, he would have talked about the blood of Jesus. Even though, as offensive as it is, and in public, speaking about blood, he said he would have spoke about the blood of Jesus more and what it has done for the people. Paul says, I'm determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Friends, I want you to lift your cup with me. And I want you to remember that you have been set free in this moment, that you have been freed from bondage, That we can have Passover right now in this time because of what our King has done for us. Amen? Let me pray. Father, we thank You that You have definitely set us free with Your own blood. And You were the Lamb slain. You were the one who laid it down for us individually. And we are forever grateful. Please, pray with me from Your hearts, friends. God, we are forever grateful for what You've done and that is why we serve You. Because You have set us free because you have wiped us clean. You look at us white as snow, as if we've done nothing wrong. What a great God we serve. And we remember you tonight, and we'll feast and celebrate to that in Jesus' name. Amen. And drink with me. Let's move on to the next feast, found in verses 6 to 8. Let me read it. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of the unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Seven days. In the seventh day it is a holy convocation. And you shall do no servile work therein. We'll stop there. The next feast mentioned is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, I'm sorry. And it is found on what day? The 15th day of the first month. What is the first month of the Jewish calendar? Nissan. Nissan. Honda Nissan. Nissan. 15th day. Nissan. Notice, that is the next day. Passover 14th. 14th day. Nissan is what? I'm mean, sorry, Nissan 15th. The next day. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. It starts off with a day of rest. And then you eat unleavened bread for seven days. You know what unleavened bread is? Maybe you don't. It's it's matzah. It's um, it's cr- it's cracker. It's just it, it's pretty much bread that has not risen. Is that the word? Um, those of you who bake, you ladies know, and you guys, if you don't, well, go try to bake bread without using yeast, and you'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? It's inside jokes. See all the girls laugh, the guys didn't. Funny. Um. But what happens is when you take dough, I used to watch my grandma do this. She used to make home bre- homemade bread for us all the time. My grandma, when she lived with us. And so, what you do is you you, you put the yeast and the bread and you, you just mix this big thing together, all right? Guys, just mix it, okay? Mix it. And then uh, you have a loaf of bread or you have dough and you just sit there and you put it in the oven and you leave it at like a warm temperature and it will all of a sudden start to rise. And it'll rise, 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 and it expands, expands, expands. And then you put it in this, you put it in the pan, and then you put it back in, you allow it to rise some more. You allow it to rise more, and then you bake it. But you don't bake it until it rises. Quick cooking lesson. But this feast, okay, so so, check this, they are to eat what? Bread that is not risen, okay? It's, It's like cracker, okay? It has no yeast in it. And so they eat this for seven days, remembering what? Remembering this. The feast was to remind them how they had, fa- how fast they had to leave Egypt, and they didn't even have enough time to let their bread rise. You see? They, they, they left Egypt very quickly. It was just like, it's time to go, boom. They didn't have enough time to let their bread rise. They were out of there. And so, they remember this time. They remember this time of deliverance, this time of freedom, but at the same time, they had to leave very quickly. And, Look at this, the Lord having them have some kind of taste in their mouth to bring them back, to bring them way back. My dad used to buy us, what is that, Big Red Soda? Do you remember that? I don't know if you know Big Red Soda. I used to drink that when I was young. But always, man, you just have the big glass bottle, Red, Big Red. And I would love that stuff. And I hadn't tasted it in so long. And all of a sudden, I, I remember tasting it just, I don't know, maybe it was six months ago, and it was just Brought me back, you know, all the way back to when I was there with my pops. But so too with this, helping the people to understand and remember back to this time when they were set free. But how does this apply to us today? Well, as the 15th day of Nisan, remember, this Feast of Unleavened Bread that happened on, so too something else happened on the 15th day of Nisan there in 32 AD. It was the day that the sunset, when the sunset had began, the sunset goes down, that's when the day of Nisan began, the 15th day. And Jesus was buried. The unleavened bread of heaven is a sinless and acceptable sacrifice. Jesus, our King, being buried on the second day. Being buried there as the sun went down, the 15th day began. And Jesus truly, He is the bread of life. He is the bread from heaven. And He was in the ground for you and for me. The sinless sacrifice. Friends, you've got to realize why He was in that grave. You've got to realize why He was put down. Why He lived those 33 years and was put down in that grave. He had to completely die. The blood did what? Remember Passover? Cleansed us. But the sacrifice, this dying completely. Somebody had to die. In order for reconciliation to happen, somebody had to die. And it could be no human. Because every human is wicked. But God himself coming down and dying completely for you and for me, living 33 years of perfect sinless life, reminded of this bread from heaven or this perfect bread with no yeast in it. Yeast in the Bible is a picture of sin. You take the yeast out and you have a sinless piece of bread, and that's exactly what Jesus was. And we thank God that Jesus was sinless. Why? Because He has given you His life. Guess what? Only sinless people get into heaven. Only perfect people get into heaven. Are you perfect? Have you ever done anything wrong? Uh Uh-oh. If you say no, you just did something wrong. (laughs) There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who seeks God. You. You we're the dead man and Jesus Christ has brought you to life but what has he done in the perfect life the sinless bread he has given you his life that's why you get to heaven listen he has given you perfect life here's a picture here's Jesus standing next to me here's Josh Thompson sin wicked disgusting the things that I've done and things that I do wicked man Jesus perfect clean 100% holy 33 years of it he died he was buried in that ground that sinless bread the unleavened bread and he gave me exchanged gave me his life look I got Jesus on you see I have a perfect body on when God looks at me he sees Christ put on me why because Jesus gave me his life and he took mine on that cross you see My old man was buried in the grave. My old man was done away. So when God looks at you, He says, Perfect. Spotless. Beautiful. White as snow, huh? Well, if you've accepted Jesus, that is. When you accept the King, He gives you His life, and He takes yours, and God looks at you and says, Sinless. And that's why you get to go to heaven. That's why you are free. And for no other reason. So let's thank our God that he has lived a perfect life for us. And given it to us. The Jews back in that day remembering once again. The sinless bread. Taking them back to the time that they had been freed. That Egypt thing was completely buried. Let's raise our cups. Father. We come to you again thanking you that you did live that perfect life. You were tempted in all ways as we are. You experienced everything that we experience on this earth. You were rejected. Lord, your own family turned from you. The people in your hometown. Your own people, Lord. the one, Your chosen people, Lord. The Jews, they rejected you. And you were crucified there, Lord. And we would have done the same. And we have done the same. But for some reason you've redeemed us through that perfect life. You gave it to us if we're willing to accept it. And we say thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you've given us your perfect life in exchange for these filthy rags. Why have you given us a brand new car in exchange for a jacked up one? It doesn't make sense. We thank you that you've given us this perfect life and allow us to go to heaven. We're grateful. Let's say thank you to our King. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll drink to that. Let's move on to the next feast here. The feast of first fruits, verses ten through fourteen. I'll read it for you. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you become in the when you come into the land which I give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, when you shall bring a sheaf, or it's actually a handful of fruits, of your harvest unto the priests. And he shall wave the sheaf, or the handful before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath the priests shall wave it and ye shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf and he lamb without blemish the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord and the meat offering remember this is the grain offering thereof shall be two tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil an offering made by fire unto the Lord for sweet savor and the drinking offering, for thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of pen. And ye shall, and ye shall eat neither bread, nor parched corn, nor green ears, until the safe, selfsame day that ye have brought an offering unto your God. And it shall be a statue for your generations throughout your dwelling. This next one mentioned here, it is a feast of first fruits. And this happened on the 17th day of Nisan, again this first month. On the 17th day of Nisan, moon that the first fruits of the barley harvest was gathered and waved before the Lord in celebration. Waved before the Lord. The people would gather up their first fruits. And, And notice it says specifically there, when they enter into the land of milk and honey, or they enter into the promised land, the land that God's going to give them, they are to bring their first fruits unto the Lord. And so, This feast was to remind them of how fast they... I'm sorry. This feast was to remind them that they were headed towards the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, where there would be abundant harvest. So it's almost like a future picture for them. It's almost like something to put in the forefront of their minds as they bring their grain offering, their first fruits unto the Lord in that time, but also that they're going to a place of milk and honey where they would be what? Harvesting much? And giving their first fruits unto the Lord. Now, where's the picture? On the 17th day of Nisan in 32 AD, yes, that same year, Jesus rises from the grave, the resurrection, the first fruit. He is the first fruit from the dead, He is the first resurrection, the true resurrection. And me and you will rise in Him also and have risen in Him also here in this moment, but spiritually also into new bodies one day, into heaven one day. So these first fruits, a picture of them going to the promised land and also giving their first fruits unto the Lord, helping them to remember to do that, but a picture of the resurrection of Christ. Friends, if we do not have the resurrection, we have nothing. Do you understand that? If we do not have the resurrection, our faith is worthless. If we do not have the resurrection, this Bible needs to be trashed, thrown out the door. It's not worth reading. The resurrection has sealed everything. The resurrection had made all of Jesus' words true. What man can rise himself from the dead? I've never seen anybody do that, except for our King. And no one will ever do that except for our King. Rise themselves from the dead, impossible. But it solidifies all that is spoken about within the word. And it stamps our salvation. Do you understand that if our king would have died and not rose, we don't have salvation. We do not have the gift of heaven. We do not have all the blessings in Christ. We could never be resurrected. But since he has done that, It is split time in half. It's done more damage, if I'd say that. More good, more amazing things in this world than any point in history. Than any point in time. There's over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus. At one time. One time. How many witnesses does it take to convict somebody of a murder? One. One. There was over 500 at one time that saw him risen from the dead. There's secular scholars who write about it. Twelve disciples died, died for their faith, saying that he rose from the dead. The evidence is there. Jesus, our King, did rise from the dead. And that's a great thing for you and for me. And we need to remember that, we need to celebrate that. I'm sorry that these a lot of these feasts maybe just a bunch of facts and things just to bring to the table and maybe hard to apply right now in this moment. But I'd hope that you would cherish each one of these times, just maybe what needs to happen is just you and your king by yourself, during these times when I'm praying, you thank him also. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for dying and being buried in the grave. Thirty three years of perfection. Amen? So let's lift our cups again to the King. Let's truly thank Him for this resurrection, this blessing that He's given us. Lord, You're alive. You're not dead. You're an alive God, Lord. There is no one, Joseph Smith, Muhammad, or Buddha, or any Christian, they're all dead. But you are alive, Jesus, and you are hearing our prayers right now in this moment. And we're so thankful and happy and blessed that you are alive and that you rose from the dead. That is our celebration. That is our, the very center of our faith. And we are forever grateful that you did that for us. And we are forever grateful that you have risen and that we will rise with you one day. That we will be resurrected and that we will walk with you. We long for that day, King. Thank you for what you've done. We lift our cup to you in celebration, thanking you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's move on to our next feast here. We've got, what is it three more to do? Four more to do? This next feast is found in verses 15 to 22. I don't think I will read it all to you because it's just a bunch of description of what they were to do and what was to happen. But this is the Feast of the Weeks, or the New Testament makes it a little more clear for us, would call it the Feast of Pentecost. You know the word Pentecost? Penta means what? 550? Penta? Maybe it's in the Greek, I'm sorry. Pentecost, I don't know. Penta means it's. Pentecost is this feast here set that is actually you would see it would happen fifty days after this first fruits. Did you see what we just said? The feast we just did was what? The first fruits feast. And so what would happen? Fifty days would go by, and what would happen? Pentecost, or the feast of weeks. And during this time the priests would wave two loaves of bread before the Lord. These two two loaves, so Here's a loaf in this hand, here's a loaf in this hand. And they would wave it before the Lord. And these two loaves, what they represented was the two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. This day was to commemorate the giving of the law when Israel became a nation. Back in that day, on that same day, day of Pentecost, back in Moses' day, the day that the law came down, the day that it was brought to the Israelites, this is the same day. Many scholars say, a lot of rabbis will say this, that they believe it's the actual exact day to a T on the same day of Pentecost because they continued, for some reason it was established in stone that this was the day that represented, stone, sorry, established in stone the day that these stone tablets were brought to the table, were given. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure that Moses and his boys and the people probably didn't forget that day that those Ten Commandments came down. That's a big day in history. Think about it. Probably remembered, and then it has been tattooed with what? Well, this Feast of Weeks, or this Feast of Pentecost. And so, this day was to commemorate the giving of the law, and the day that Israel truly became a nation back in the Old Testament, back in that day. But, it's interesting to note, do you remember the first fruits, the resurrection, right? How many days did Jesus walk on the earth after his resurrection? Forty days. Forty days he walked. Then, do you remember how many days, so he, he rose from the dead? Forty days on this earth? And then what did he do? Remember he ascended into heaven. Remember, the disciples were looking up, or some people were looking up, and the angel comes in and says, what are you doing looking up at the Son of Man? And then the disciples were to go to the upper room, and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Do you remember how many days they waited there praying ten days ten days resurrection forty days Jesus walks on the earth ascends into heaven then what ten days from that moment the Holy Spirit comes how many days is that fifty days the day the Holy Spirit came was what the day of Pentecost you see these pictures are amazing when you understand when you see the picture in the Old Testament being lined up exactly with the picture in the New Testament the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples in the upper room. Remember, it was like flame, tongues of flames upon their heads. And that day Peter preached. Remember, people were speaking and t- crazy stuff was going down. Three thousand came to know Jesus on that day. John fourteen sixteen. just real quick, a couple scriptures on the Spirit. I will pray the Father, and He shall give to you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and then John 14:26 but the comforter which is the holy ghost whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said to you the holy spirit the gift from god in the old testament who was there communicating with it was the father the people would go to the father through the tabernacle and through sacrifice Jesus on the earth, well, the disciples just approached him. Jesus ascends into heaven, and who is now here with us? It is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who ministers to us, who speaks to us, who teaches us all the things. Hey, all you need to teach you the things that you need to know about the Bible, maybe you're like, man, Josh, I want to learn more. I want to understand more. What you need to do is you need to get on your face and talk to God, and ask the Spirit to speak to you as you open these pages. As you walk in your day, ask the Spirit to lead and guide you, moment by moment, second by second, walking in the Spirit. The Spirit is a great gift, an amazing gift. Because now we have living within us the power of the Spirit, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that. Listen to this. You know that. All of the miracles and things done in the Old Testament, and all of the miracles that Jesus did, all of this power or work of the Spirit has been embedded into you and to me. And that it lives within us. Sometimes I wonder, it's like, are you really in there? Yeah. By the way, we live. Sometimes we don't have. A fear. You know, enough faith to sit on a chair, man. I mean, we just. No faith. I was thinking about that. Did you guys hear, for those of you who maybe went to Harvest on this this weekend, those of you who didn't, there's a man named Bob Coy that spoke there, and he said that after their church service every week, they ask the elders of the church to come together, and if anyone is sick, that the elders pray for them, like it said in James to do. And they are almost prepping themselves and preparing themselves to lay hands on somebody. It's amazing. He says people are healed all the time. Not when I pray, this is Bob speaking, he says not when I pray, but when these elders come together and pray, people are healed all the time. Amazing. Interesting. Why? Because these men are constantly preparing themselves, walking in the Spirit, being ready to do these things. And do you know why, friends? Do you know why these miracles, maybe things aren't happening within our lives? Crazy, amazing Acts chapter 2 stuff, the book of Acts stuff, Period. It is because we are so caught up, again, I've said it before, we are so caught up in the physical. All day is physical for us. All day is is what's happening right here in this moment. We spend very little time in physical, I mean in spiritual. And Jesus said, remember to the boy, how come we couldn't cast out the demons? How come we couldn't do this? How come we do that? Because those only come out by prayer and fasting. We feed the flesh all day long. We feed the physical all day long. When we have the Spirit to tap into all day long, anytime we want. We don't have to go and sacrifice anymore. We can tap in any time. The Comforter has come for you. The Spirit has come to live and dwell within you. So you can walk each moment by moment with Him and do amazing things. Jesus said, you will do greater things than I did. What? Greater things? What? <laughs> if we take advantage of the gift that God has given us, Pentecost, the feast, them remembering or stopping and thinking 50 days after the first fruits, giving offerings unto the Lord at Pentecost. to commemorate the giving of the law and the Jews becoming a nation. But for us, the day of Pentecost is a huge celebration in our lives. The Holy Spirit came and filled us or actually came and filled the earth on that day but has filled us in this moment, in this time. And so I'm going to ask for a feeling of the Spirit for each one of us today, alright? Hey. Family, I want you to ask for that. Say, God, fill me. I want to do those things. I want to step out. I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. I need a fresh feeling of that. And then just to thank the Lord for giving us the Spirit to minister to us and to speak to us and to teach us. What a great gift. The greatest. Amen. Let's lift our cups. Shall we celebrate? Father, we come to you again concerning Pentecost. The giving of the law Oh Lord, what a great parallel. The giving of the law. The day of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the law being the thing, the, the, the law, the master. All the rules and regulations that you gave in the Old Testament. All those things that we were to follow and, and abide by. Those Israelites were, I'm sorry, Lord. Not us. You have given us the Spirit, Lord, on the same day you gave the law. But you've given us now the Spirit to dwell in us and to tell us what to do. Not... 600 laws that we are to abide by but you've given us the spirit to speak to us day by day, moment by moment and we thank you that you've been so gracious to give us a comforter to give us a spirit and we ask for a fresh feeling of the spirit in this moment, that we would be different people that you would truly come within us God, those who ask to be filled I pray that you would fill them oh everyone that thirsteth come thee to the waters you that have no money, come ye by eat. I pray that we would do that, that we would drink of your Spirit, and that we would taste of it. We don't need money to buy it. It's free. And we thank you for that. And we're so blessed that you've given us a comforter and a counselor to minister to us daily and to be close to us, to teach us the things we need to know. We hear you, we love you, and we thank you for that. We'll drink to that. Thank you, King. Amen. move on to the next feast. Three more to go. We're almost done. The Feast of Trumpets mentioned verses 23 to 25. But you know what? Right before we jump into that, there's something interesting. Look at this. Look at verse 22. And, yes, verse 22. Look what it says. It's just, This kind of pops out of the pages. It's just random. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your field when you reap. Neither shall you gather any gleaning of thy harvest. You shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Did you hear that? Okay, what does that mean, Josh? Listen, it's crazy. In that day, in that time, God was saying, okay, if you have a field... And you're harvesting it, so you got a bunch of corn. So you got a cornfield, alright? I'm a farmer and I have a cornfield. Okay. Farmer cornfield, I'm harvesting my corn. Guess what? God says, you are not to harvest the corners of your field. Why? You are not to harvest the corners of your field. You know what you're to do? You're to leave it for the strangers and the poor people. So that they can come and eat from your land. Amazing. What a sweet little nugget. In the scripture. And how is that a picture in our lives? How do we apply that now? You have a field. You were to harvest it, yes, for your money and the things that you need. But guess what? The corners of the field you were to leave. For people who are in need, people who are poor. Jesus had a heart for the poor. He was so passionate for some reason about them. He was poor himself. He had no place to lay his head. But we are to cut the corners of our field off and give them away. We are to take the small change or things that we have. Yeah, maybe you're bringing in the big money. Hey, you've got a couple bucks in your pocket or whatever. Give it away. Glean it. Let it go. Give it to the poor. Give it to the stranger. Bless them in the name of Jesus. You are to leave the field. You are to leave the corners of your field. You are to leave the corners of your field unharvest, and you were to give that away, you were to give it to the people. Very interesting, just this little, this random, there it is, random nugget, just sitting there within the scriptures, a great principle we can apply to our lives. Let's move on to this next feast. The feast of trumpets, as I mentioned before, verse 23 through 25, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh seventh month and the first day of the month shall you have a Sabbath a memorial of blowing of trumpets on a holy convocation you shall or, you shall do not servile work therein but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord stop there so this priest I mean this feast of trumpets it happens in the fall and it's on the first day of this I'm not even sure to pronounce the word. It's Terishi. The moon of the trumpets are blown and announced on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is is the beginning of the year, I believe, for the Jews. It is the New Year's. And so what would happen is it's the blowing of the trumpets. It's the time when they would stand up and blow these trumpets during this feast. But what were these trumpets for? Sorry, I have it here in my notes. Oh yes, the feast was to commemorate the silver trumpets that were blown for three reasons. Number one, it was to gather the people as they were traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. It was also to move them to a new destination. They were also used as a battle alarm. So these are the reasons for the blowing of these trumpets. And they would blow this and... The beginning of the year would move in, or the memorial of the blowing of the trumpets would happen, and they would announce Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. Now, where do we find the picture here? Well, there is a couple trumpets spoken about, blown in our day, or that will happen in our day. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, "...for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise." Then, he, then we who are alive will remain and shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord always. Amazing. There's a day coming, you know. There's a day coming. Da, 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 da. When all of a sudden, the Lord shout with the voice of, a mar- of an archangel... And the trumpets blow. I don't know if we're going to hear that or how that's going to work, but there's two trumpets spoken about. There's that trumpet, there's also a trumpet of the second coming of Christ, but this trumpet in particular will be the rapture of the church, where you and I, those of you you who believe in Jesus Christ, who come to know him as Lord and Savior, will be taken off this earth, will be raptured off this earth, caught up in the air. I don't know when the day is. People debate it all the time, you know, it's pre trib, mid trib, post trip, whatever you want, okay? The day's gonna come when our king will come back. And when that day comes, guess what? We're out of here, man. No more. The, the the time is over. There's no more time for you to invest on this earth, to invest in God. And it might be tonight. It might be soon. It might be in like 43 seconds. (laughs) When that day comes, we're out of here. And it's a blessing. Because why? Hey, you don't have to pump gas anymore, okay? Yeah. You don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. You don't have to deal with the problems here on this earth. You're out of here. It's going to be a blessing. May our hearts be stirred in this moment. Not forgetting, being reminded of heaven continually. The rapture should not push you to say, oh, I just give up on all this and hey, I can sin and do whatever. No, no, no. God forbid, what are you doing? The rapture should push you to live a holy life set apart for God because the time is soon, friend. We're going to be standing before Him very soon. Get things right. Move forward. Don't waste time. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? You want to be involved in ministry? Then do it. You want to be a pastor? Then start doing it right now. What do you think? One day all of a sudden you're just like, Okay, uh-huh. here's your hat and your badge. You're a pastor. What does an ordination mean anyway? It's a piece of paper. Who cares? You want to be a pastor? Then start doing it. Start praying for people. Start ministering to people. You want to be involved here or serve in ministry there? Then start doing it. You want to be a utensil, a tool for God in this moment, in this day, tonight, right now? Then do it. Put your arm around somebody and pray for them. Go buy somebody something. Go bless them by giving them a book if you have one. I don't know. What are you to do? What am I to do? I'll seek the Spirit. I'll seek God and find out. And you do the same. Amen? Let our hearts be stirred. For the kingdom of heaven is near. And it may be tonight. That'd be great. All of a sudden, we're just like, you know, we're standing in heaven, like, say, like, five hours from now. I was like, aha, told you guys. We're here. And I'm looking at you guys, and I'm just, I mean, I'm telling you, I know I'm just going to have one of those big smiles, just smile, like, from here to here. You know, it's like, I just can't stop smiling, you know, because just the overwhelm, just joy. I made it, man. Finished. Let's finish strong. Let's work hard. Let's be a blessing unto our King. Amen? Let our hearts be stirred. That you will be taken off this earth. What a blessing that is, man. Let's lift our cup to the King and thank Him for that. Father, we thank You that You are coming again. Jesus, we thank You that You are coming again. And that You are going to take Your people away. And we are waiting for You. And we are living for You. Help this thing of Your coming. To be something that stirs us to live passionately for you daily. Living holy lives, righteous lives, Lord. That we would never be caught, Lord, in the moment of sin when you come back. That we would not be caught in a moment of just being stale and and lukewarm and, and old. And just sitting here not being a blessing unto you, not serving you and walking with you. Lord, as you desire for us to look to your second cup continually, and we will. So, Lord, we thank you for it, and we lift our cups to you that we're going to be with you soon. And if that's night tonight, Jesus, we're ready. Hey, come and take us, King. We've been waiting for you for a long time. Remind us daily that you are coming. We will drink to that. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing mentioned here in verses 26-32, through 32, I won't read it to you because we're getting low on time, but it is Yom Kippur. Say it with me, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, again, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Which means what? The Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement happens once a year. This day happens once a year. The High Priest enters into the Holy of Holies and sprinkles the blood from the sacrifice on the mercy seat unto the Lord for the sins of the people. What happens? Aaron the high priest? He goes in once a year for the sins of the people and he takes the blood of the sacrifice and he sprinkles it upon the mercy seat. Seven times. Do you know what he does? This is a little insight. Jewish insight. I'm not a Jew, but... Jewish insight that I got from some of my friends in Israel. They were telling me... this is You can't find this in the Word. It doesn't tell you what happens. But the tradition tells us that When the high priest walked in to sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat, what is the mercy seat? It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's where the Ten Commandments were in. It's this golden box that the people would carry on their shoulders, and there's two giant cherubims on top. These angel looking crazy guys, okay? They're just sitting up there, arched up on both sides. The mercy seat is the lid that covers the Ark of the Covenant, the box, okay? It covers it. It covers the Ten Commandments in there. There's a couple other things in there. We'll get into it. But they sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. How do they sprinkle it? From top to bottom and from left to right. One, two, three, and on seven times. The picture of the cross right there on the mercy seat. Amazing! This happened once a year for the atonement for the people, the sins of the people. Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. I remember I told you before in Israel, Remember on Yom Kippur, I have video of it. I, w- I would show you, but I won't because it's just gruesome. Of people sacrificing chickens on the Day of Atonement. They're coming to this rabbi, and he has this like thing set up, and he is s- slicing the chickens through it and turning them upside down in this bucket and pronouncing sin upon them as if their sins are forgiven. They're still trying to find a sacrifice. They have no temple to sacrifice sin, so what will they do with their sin? So what is this a picture of this day of atonement, this one day once a year? There's two different interpretations that I looked at. I'm not even sure which I really side to, but I'll just say both. Um, number one is the time when the Jews realized Jesus is Messiah in the tribulation. The day of atonement for them. The true day of atonement for them. During the tribulation period, 144,000, their eyes are open like, oh snap, Jesus is the Messiah. And all of a sudden they're just like nuts. Like, we're going to share with everyone and bring. they're going to bring... Thousands of people to Jesus Christ. These 144,000, they'll be virgins, and they'll have a new song on their hearts. These guys are going to be crazy. But the Day of Atonement for them, in the future, something that's going to happen. And then the second interpretation was, the last and final day when evil is wiped out after the tribulation. The Day of Atonement, when Christ restores the earth for the millennial reign whichever the Day of Atonement is in the future, the application for us, hey, we've been atoned for. Our Day of Atonement has come. And that's a blessing. But there's a day coming for the Jews, and there's a day coming in the future when this Atonement for this world, the Day of Atonement for this earth, you know what's going to happen in the millennial reign? This earth will be restored. You know that everything you see, all the beautiful things, these roses, are like, they're 10% of what they could be 100%. All the animals and the crazy things you see, planet Earth. Discovery Channel. It's nothing close to what it's going to be. And in that time, millennial reign, the lion will lay with the lamb. Lion and lamb will get along. That's crazy. Animals will get along. I mean, it's going to, the Earth is going to be restored. Everything is going to be legit. It's going to be awesome. And me and you will reign with our king for a thousand years. Let's lift our cups to the King in celebration. Father, we thank You that You have atoned for us on that day, that day on the cross, Lord. But in that day when we decided to give our lives to You, the blood truly did atone us, and we thank You for that. Atoned for our sins. And we ask, Lord, that You would help us to remember the future and remember what's going to happen, to create urgency within our hearts. And we pray for the Jews. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we ask, Lord, that you would even be working on the Jewish people right now. That you'd be cracking open the sky and letting them see that you are God. And Jesus, that you are Messiah. That you are to be worshipped as Lord and God and Master. We long for that day of atonement for the Jews, Lord. We want them to be restored unto you, your people. See them do miraculous things, Lord. And we long for the day when you restore this earth. When you'll make everything perfect, everything right again. That day of atonement. Thank you, Lord for the future things that you're going to do, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll drink to that. That's exciting. And the last thing, let's close this up. The Feast of Tabernacles found in verses 33 through 44. A lot of scripture, I won't read it. But this is the most mentioned feast in the Bible. The Feast of Tabernacles, mentioned a lot. The feast was to commemorate the times when God provided for the people as they were in the wilderness dwelling in the tents. Okay? So it is a time to remember the Lord for them when the Lord provided for them when they were in the tents, man. They were in these, yeah, they set up these tents and that's where they lived and that's where they dwelt. I had a chance of staying with Bedouins when I was in um, Jordan. And the Bedouins, we stayed in a tent and it was this tent that is very similar to um, what Abraham would have stayed in. The exact same thing, or what Moses and the boys, all of them would have stayed in. Stents are, I mean, pretty basic. Keeps out the wind, keeps out the sand. But the Lord provided for them. You remember how He provided? He provided water miraculously. Do you remember? He brought straight up pigeons from heaven, like these these quail. Quail just came down out of nowhere, and they and they just eat meat. I mean, it was just like, hi hi, I'm a bird, and I'm just walking around, come and catch me. I mean, like that is crazy and. Not to mention the manna from heaven. Remember the heavenly bread, the stuff that just fell from... Okay, tomorrow morning when we wake up, all of a sudden there's just going to be bread all over the ground. Like, go and start gathering all your flour and the things, and you could just... Amazing. And God provided for them when they were in the wilderness, in those tents all those days, the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what this represents. That's what they are to remember. If, if you were to journey to Jerusalem during this time, you would see thousands of little tents set up in such a way where the families would be shaded from the heat, but able to see the stars at night. And the people would celebrate and feast for seven days unto the Lord. This is awesome. So everybody would get together, they would put these tents up, and they would keep it open enough, so that they were shaded, but also so that they could see the stars at night, so it would cause them to remember back in the days how it used to be. Spending time with the Lord, looking up at the stars out there in the middle of the desert, most amazing Stars out there in Israel. But this Feast of Tabernacles was a seven day time of celebration and feasting. I just, it even says there in the scriptures, it says they rejoiced for seven days. Rejoiced. Man! We, as a family, need to be rejoice for seven days straight. Snap! It's a little hard for some of us. We need to be happy and rejoicing. Yeah? Rejoicing for seven days. Spending time with the Lord. This Feast of Tabernacles, what people say this points to or a picture of, this place of being around Jerusalem, this place of setting up tents there, it points to the millennial reign with Jesus because what's going to happen in the millennial reign? This is what happens raptured, seven years of tribulation, Armageddon. And then the millennial reign starts. And guess what happens? You and I reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years on the earth, just like I'd mentioned before. But he is going to be, he is actually going to be in Jerusalem. Right now, you go look over Jerusalem, he would be right there in the temple, establish his kingdom, be living there on the earth with us. It's going to happen. The millennial reign, we are going to be able to see our king face to face, hang out, ask all the questions you want. I don't know cool thing about the millennial reign is we'll be in like supposedly heavenly bodies as the Bible teaches we'll be in our new bodies and so hey I mean I don't think you can get hurt I mean it's like X-Men or something like that it's kind of like you want to battle you throw each other into buildings you know it's just like you're not getting hurt alright maybe we took that too far but it's going to be a great time of celebration our king is back our king is on the earth he is here with us in that moment right then it's going to be awesome And they say that, just some quick facts on that, they say that we might even police the the non-believers on the earth there, because there will actually be people living there on the earth that do not come to Jesus Christ, who live through the tribulation period, but do not come to Jesus. And they'll see Him. There in Jerusalem, established kingdom, there is the King of Kings. And many will still not come to Christ. Amazing! But we will be there with Him for 1,000 years. And then... The devil is released for a short time. And then the what great right throne judgment. And then a new heaven and new earth is created. And we all live happily ever after. At the end. That's how it happens. That's how it works. That's what the book of Revelation and Daniel put together. There's a lot of different commentaries on it. A lot of different interpretations of it. But so that's mine. But maybe celebrate tonight. This last feast of tabernacles and the day that is coming that you and I will be here on this earth. Maybe we'll come back to Java Bliss, huh? The thousand year reign? Let's have a meeting, okay? Here we go. You guys ready? When the thousand year reign starts, okay? Three days into it, if nothing's going down, if, if, if it's cool with the king, <laughs> we'll come back here, okay? And we'll meet here as a family, and we'll say, We're here. And me and Derek will go at it for like ten minutes and he'll throw me into the building and he'll say, we will laugh. No. May it be a reality to us that we're going there. And it's happening. It's going to happen. Let's lift our cups to our king one last time. Father, we thank you, Lord, that there is going to be a day when you really will reign here on earth and you will be the king of this earth, not this enemy. Who is this Lucifer? Who is this Satan devil guy Lord, you are God and you are to be served people should not be serving him Lord cast him out rebuke him and you be lifted up may we start this millennial reign with you right now in this moment Jesus walking with you daily bound before you and your kingdom now we long for that day and we look forward to it and we thank you for the future and the things that you have for us and we have great confidence and great hope in You, God. One day we will be with You very soon. It's going to be amazing. We believe in You, God. We give ourselves to You. And we'll drink to all this, which You have given us, in Your name. Amen. I want to share two scriptures real quick. These two that I've written down. Psalm 77, 11. Real quick before I share it. What is the purpose? Why did I go through all this lengthy talking about the feast and helping you to try to understand these things and trying to apply application? Because it's important to the Lord. He established feasts in that day so that the people would remember. 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 Feasts were set up, just like holidays are set up today. Feasts were set up so they would remember. Family. Some of the things that we have talked about tonight, these are things that we need to be remembering daily within our lives. Amen? And, and there are many things that you need to be remembering and writing down that God has done for you. Maybe you've forgotten. And there's one great thing that you need to be remembering constantly. And that is what Christ has done for you in Communion notice in some of those feasts they would do certain things they would eat and drink certain. Th- they would celebrate they would do all kinds of different things blow the trumpet we need to do certain things communion is so crucial and so important and I would encourage you guys to take communion always many times in your day remembering Christ and what he's done for you maybe you don't need to get out the cup and the cracker all the time or do, Amen. Don't let it become stale in your hearts, but let it become fresh every time. I know this was a lot to take in tonight. I want to read these two scriptures to you. Just listen to this. Psalm seventy-seven, eleven: I will remember the Lord's. I will remember the wor- the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember Thy wonders of old. Again, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy works of old. In Psalm 20, verse 7, some tr- trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in cars, some trust in guitars, but we will remember the name of our Lord some trust in jobs and careers and success friends, family but we will remember the name of our God, our Lord Amen Family I want you guys to walk away with just that simple principle Remembering your God just daily—is that too much? That just please, just remember Him, remember what He's done for you. This is where motivation comes. How can a person deny the living God within their own lives in that day if they are remembering what He has done for them, how He has set them free, how He is providing for them, how He has a future and a hope for them? All these things. How can a person? It's impossible. You know who you are. Do you forget things? Yeah. We all do. Do we forget the Lord? Yes. We all do. So how do we remember? Feast. Celebrate. Do those things. Remember His works and remember His times of old. Amen. I want you guys to really grab onto that to really apply that to your lives tonight in the best way that you can. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you for getting those lengthy and a little much to take in. Thank you for being diligent and trying to stay focused. Let me pray. Lord, I just pray that you would Lord that you just throw away the bones and that you'd help us to chew on the meat. The special things that maybe have spoken to our hearts would they be fresh and real? Would it be exciting in us tonight as we go to sleep, as we wake up in the morning? Lord, help none of these words to return void. Would help these things to come back to us, Lord, in the weeks to come. Lord, just a random thing as we read through the scriptures of the feast or remembering something here or citing something there. And I pray most importantly, Lord, that we would not forget you as a family, as a group here. That you would help us, that you would remind us, and that you would speak to our hearts. Refresh these tonight. God, if there are some who have forgotten you, I pray that you would tap them on the heart. That you'd really cry out, call out to them, and they would cry out to you. That they would be renewed. And that they would remember. That they would remember their first love. That they would remember their Jesus who has forgiven them and wiped their sins away and set them free and given them heaven for free. Please, God, have your way tonight. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. And thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your feasts. We celebrate you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.